So welcome back to the next episode of our So Far So Good, and we're back in our Property Lim Brothers studio. And uh, this is the Property Lim Brothers podcast show. And uh, today we are very honored to have uh, Kenneth Toe from KeyQuest Mortgage with us. And um, today's session is all going to be about mortgage loans, and um, it's going to be extremely useful to you if you are looking to buy your first property or even. Um, sell your property and, and, and switch to another property and you're thinking about what are some of the very important things to know about the mortgage loan today uh, in the current market in Singapore. And we're going to talk about um, some very technical uh, details and at the same time, very, very useful information that you will need to know when you're going to take your loan and uh, your mortgage for your next property. So uh, welcome Kenneth to Property Bus Studio and we're very honored to have you today. So yeah, why don't, why don't you probably yeah. uh, give a bit of introduction about, about what you do. Okay, uh, thanks Melvin for inviting me to right. today's session. Uh, so basically, I'm a mortgage broker, which we have more than 10 years of experience in doing mortgage. So basically, from day to day, what I do is to provide solutions to customer and advise what kind of interest rate they should be going for and what are the pitfalls they should be looking out for different kind of interest rate package. And also, based on recently, all this... Uh, COVID-19 as well as cyber on the downward trend, a lot of people is actually going through a refinancing because everyone can see that interest rate is going down and down right. on cyber. So I think now is actually a great time to, in terms of refinance or even get a property because your interest rate is going to be as low as maybe 1.5% currently right. based on current market. So right. it's very, uh, I, I would say based on the last three, four years, now is the all-time low, I right. would say. Right, yeah. right. So, uh, Kenneth, I, I think um, our what, what we want to cover today is is we I have prepped like a couple of questions that I think will be um, very useful for for everybody to know about. Um, okay. And um, and uh, later part we also ask you a little bit about your business and because uh, usually our guests on our show we would like to ask them on their entrepreneurship. Uh, sorry, on their entrepreneur, um, entrepreneurship journey okay. and um, how you have started your company in the past okay. and then uh, how long you have been in a business and stuff like that. But maybe uh, what we want to cover first is that we want to know uh, what are some of the mortgage package available today in the current market. And, okay. and usually, let's say if I'm a first-time buyer, uh, what uh, choices do I have? Okay, right. so as first-time buyer, we actually categorize them under two areas. One would be if they are buying a building under construction mm. or from resale market, which is a completed property. So because uh, these two segments of customer might have different requirements. Right. And some are maybe for own stay, some are for investment. So maybe I can touch on, on the building under construction part. Uh, so for building under construction part, uh, the interest rate wise, the one thing the client need to know is that uh, for building and construction, the banks do not offer fixed. Mm. So sometimes in the market, uh, consumer is confused right. uh, because there's fixed deposit rate, there's bank board rate, there's cyber, uh, all different uh, jargon from the banks and they are very confused. What, what are all these packages? So usually we will actually sit down with the client, explain to you what are the different package and how it works, uh, how does it uh, change according to market. Mm. And uh, at times also for building and construction, a lot of clients focus on uh, low interest rate. Right. Uh, but you need to understand whether your projects achieve TOP within the next one year, two years, or three years, four years. Mm. Because some clients, they tend to be attracted by the lower interest rate for the first two years. Right. But they mislook that uh, on third and fourth year, it's actually more important. Because as 
for building construction projects right. is progressive drawdown. So therefore, on the first two years, uh, the amount of installment drawing down released by the banks to the developer is actually quite minimum. It's like piling 10%, then 5%, 5%, depending how fast the developer built. Right. So there's a group of customers always focus on first two years. Oh, I, I need to get the interest rate, which is the lowest mm. on the first two years. Example, maybe based on market now, maybe first two years you're looking at maybe 1.9 or 1.8 mm. for first two years. Mm. But on the third year, it kind of shoots up. Right. which you cost you maybe 1.95 or even up to 2%. So sometimes for clients, uh, we will try to understand which project they are buying first. Mm. Because different uh, projects, TOP at different phase, some they might be collecting keys within the next 12 months. Right. Some they just purchase, so the TOP date is three or four years. So for clients who are getting projects which is going TOP in three or four years, we will actually focus more on the third or fourth year interest rate rather than the first two years. Mm. Because it's the amount you are going to pay on interest rate is, is very low, low right. and negligible amount. Right. Okay, so this is for clients who are looking on building under construction. Right, which is the, the new launches. Yes, the right. new launch. Right. So um, what you are saying is that for new launches, usually you look at when uh, likely will this project TOP. That's right. And then you focus on packages that um, uh, uh, so-called advantages in the sense that when they TOP, what is going to be the likely interest rate? That's right. Yeah. So, uh, maybe just just for the benefit of our audience is mm. that uh, for BUC projects, usually um, when you take a uh, just like you mentioned, there's no fixed package, right? So when That's you right. take a floating package, is there a lock-in period? For building and construction, usually all the banks do not have lock-in period. Right. Okay. And. The clients can actually do partial repayment as and when they like. Mm. So most banks allow you to make partial repayment by giving one month notice. Right. Okay. So the only clause you need to take note is that if it's for investment purpose or even for own use, uh, usually we will actually get an additional condition, say that uh, free conversion, one to two times. So in in the in the duration of four years, the client mm. has the option to change the interest rate package, even they have committed, example, maybe for cyber package. They can choose to change to bank spot rate or fixed deposit rate if the banks have uh, such package available and if the rate is lower. Okay. And so, uh, sorry, just to interrupt a bit. So, uh, do enlighten us. Uh, just like you mentioned about free conversion, right? Yes. Uh, this is with the same bank. Yes, that's right. Okay. That means uh, when it TOPs, you can actually convert to another package in that's the right. same bank. Correct. Right. So, are you allowed to refinance and change bank as well? Okay. So that's where I'm coming to as well. So another very important thing you need to take note is that all the banks has this cancellation fee. Mm. So example, today if you have collected your keys right. and the existing bank you are with is not giving you a very competitive interest rate and you would like to refinance to another bank. Right. So at the point of collecting keys, the bank actually has not released all the loans. Right. Let's say if you are getting a 75% loan, probably the banks are only releasing up to 60%. Right. Reason being because from TOP to CSS one year, Mm. So this is actually the defect period. So most clients right, uh, will have a 15% progressive payout during this one year. Right. Okay, so at the point of time, if you do a refinancing at TOP, the banks will usually have a penalty right. of 0.5% on the undisbursed loan amount. Right, right, yeah, right. So this is one of the costs. Even though there is no lock-in period. Yes, right. that's right. And this is only for specifically for BUC kind of packages, that's building right. and construction. Right, so uh, are these like some of the things that usually a lot of uh, consumers they are not aware of when they sign on the letter of offer with the banks? Like, um, are these like some of the blind spots that we are talking about? Yes, because usually 
most clients are only focusing on the interest rate. Right. So they want to get the minimum interest rate. So these are the blind spot that they might have not looked into whereby it does this cancellation fee. Uh, are they aware if they, they refinance, uh, there's this cost involved right. and how much are you looking at? Right. Yeah. So another important clause is actually what we usually um, get for the clients, sales of waiver. Mm. So nowadays, we actually have this clause that, okay, in the event, the client sell the property within the next two, three, or fourth year. Okay. Again, Are you talking about sub-sale or? Uh, sub-sale. So okay. that means after... Before CSC. Before CSC. Or maybe even before TOP. Even before TOP. Okay. Let's say they have met their SSD period. Mm. So they want to sell off the property. So there is this uh, sales of waiver clause, which the banks actually nowadays, we are able to get it for client, that they will waive off the cancellation fee I if see. it's due to sale. Okay. So okay. this will be very useful for clients who are buying properties for investment and they, they want to liquid off the property during TOP or even after TOP stage that they don't need to pay this uh, cancellation fee clause. Okay, so yeah. um, this cancellation fee applies mainly to refinancing if you switch to another yes. bank. But in the event, if you were to sell the property, uh, actually nowadays it's quite popular to have this sales or waiver clause. That's right. Right, okay. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, you know, I think what you have just shared with us is like very useful information, especially for um, consumers that are buying uh, new developments, new projects, new launches in uh, BUC. So we, we talk about the sales of waiver clause. We also talk about the fact that if you were to refinance when the TOP and you felt that the interest rate is not beneficial when it hits its third, fourth or fifth year, yeah. some people might want to say, hey, I want to change bank and... I want to change to a more preferential uh, interest rate. But at the same time, they will be hit with the cancellation fee of 0.5% or the outstanding undisbursed amount, which yes. is 15%. Yes. Right? So, um, which means that if it's like a million dollar property, 15% is about 150,000.5 would then be about um, probably 700 dollars. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, about. So the cancellation fee depends from bank to bank as well. Right. Some bank is 0.75%, some bank is at 1.5%. Okay, sure. Yeah. So um, this is then very important when they first bought the property Correct. to select a package that will actually last them until after TOP. That's right. Okay, so and that's where you come in to help your consumers to select the packages that will then um, save them this trouble from changing yes. banks upon TOP Correct. that will last them. Okay, great. So usually how do you do your comparison? Like example, let's say if I'm, I'm a buyer, I, mm. I just bought a, a new launch and then I come to you and say, hey, uh, KeyQuest Mortgage, can you help me to, to do a selection? So usually, how many banks do you actually compare? Um, we actually compare across 16 banks. 16 uh, banks, all right. Yes. Are, are, they, are, they only, are there only 16 banks in Singapore? Uh, banks, if we're including F5, we are going about 18 to 20. Okay, that means yeah. uh, including like uh, financial institutions. That's right. Which is like, uh, what are some of the financial institutions in Singapore? Hong Leong Finance, yeah. right. um, Singapura Finance, right. Uh, Sing Investment, these are all the FI available in Singapore okay. who does mortgage as well. So it's about 16 to 18. Yeah. Okay, great. So um, how long usually uh, does this comparison take? Let's say if I come to you today, today's a mm -hmm. Monday, um, usually how long do you need to get back to me? How long does your team need? Okay, in terms of comparing interest rate, because we have this rates update daily. Mm. So uh, usually what we will do with, uh, what we will share with clients is that based on the current sentimental, we actually shortlist two or right. maybe up to max of three banks for, for them. Right. Reason being because if the rest of banks interest rates are higher, mm. so there's no point looking at them. 
Right. Yeah. So right. we usually cater maybe two to three banks for the client to select and tell them what are the difference between the different banks' interest rate right. and what are their conditions or clauses okay. they have, like the seals of waiver, all this. Are they including this? And is there any uh, special things we need to take note on on these packages? Right. Yeah. So you, you usually select the most competitive one. Yes. And uh, how often does bank change their rates? Is it on a monthly basis or is it like per every two weeks or per week and or is is like seasonal? Like okay, uh, it used to be maybe every month, right? But for the last one two months, what we see is that uh, banks can be changing interest rate every week or every few days. Okay, because of this cyber rates coming down, so the banks are reacting to it. Some banks are on the du- reducing on mm. a fixed rate as mm. well as cyber, but some banks are actually uh, adjusting upwards because the cyber is dropping and right. they are increasing the spread so that the banks make still uh, a margin of interest which right. they want to do. With. Right. Yeah. So um, enlighten um, us about cyber. Mm. All right. So because there's cyber rates, there's saw rates, there's now the um, bank's bought rate as well. Yes. Uh, some banks offer their own fixed deposit rate. Yes. Right? So uh, maybe enlighten us like uh, what is the cyborg rate? How is it packed to? Uh, and usually because uh, I think a lot of our consumers when they look at newspapers, mm. uh, articles and stuff like that, as especially when US uh, reduce their interest rate, right? So the, the when when Feds reduce their interest rate, um, then we see some adjustments in our local rates as well. Why is that so? Like why, why are we impacted by the US Fed rates and stuff like that? Okay, I would say because um, a lot of our industry in Singapore, we actually work with US closely right. and we are using US dollar. So every time when we see that when US announced that they are cutting interest rate, mm. um, the cyber actually has some changes and fluctuation right. uh, based on what we see on the past trend is always on the downward every time they announce that they are cutting their interest rate. So and cyber is more like a interbank uh, lending rate. So right. bank to bank actually do borrows money. Right. So that's a certain spread. It's very transparent. It's on newspaper every day. Uh, that we can see how much is cyber. Right. So cyber, we have one month cyber. We have three months cyber. We have six months. We have twelve months. But most of the banks are using three months cyber as a benchmark. Uh, right. Certain banks do offer up to one month. So right. the difference between the different months is just that uh, if you are on one month cyber. Meaning to say that your interest rate might technically change every month. Okay. Depending on how much is cyber. But whereas a three or six months, it will change according to every three or six months on the cyber rates. Okay, great. So um, coming to this cyber uh, rates, right? So in your perspective, mm. today, if let's say somebody is going to purchase a, a resale property okay. or maybe even a, a new launch property, what will be your advice? Like, um, should they should they specifically go for like Cyber or Saw, or should they go for the banks' uh, rates that's packed to their fixed D or packed to their bot rate? What will be your advice? Like, and then how how do we actually decipher all this? I mean, there's so many rates, mm. so many different ways that the banks pack uh, based on different mechanisms. How can somebody that's buying their first property decipher all this? Okay, right. I would say. Um, in the current market, cyber would be probably one of the most favorable at this point of time. Okay. Because we can see it's on a downward trend. Right. And it's transparent in the sense that it's always available in the market that consumers can just Google it online and see what's the rate of cyber. Right. So you have a transparency. Whereas for fixed deposit rate, bank spot rate is actually determined by the bank itself. So for most of the banks who are using fixed deposit rate, 
like say eight months or nine months fixed deposit rate, it's actually packed to the bank's uh, deposit rate they are giving out in the retail market. That means today, if you walk into a bank, say, look, I want to place a fixed deposit for eight months, how much are you offering? Right. Yeah, so that's how the banks derive the fixed deposit rate. Right. So fixed D rate and bot rate are determined by the banks. Yes. Cyborg is like international. Yes. And I can just Google what's the latest Cyborg rate. Because that's right. Usually when uh, I think a mortgage of a Cyborg, uh, it will be like Cyborg plus how much. Yes, right? that's so, right. Uh, that's, is that the same for SOAR rates as well? Um, okay, now most of banks actually have already absolute SOAR. Right. So most of banks nowadays only offer Cyborg, fixed, bank spot rate, and fixed deposit rate. Right. Yeah. Right. So, um, so in your perspective, because mm-hmm. now uh, interest rates are likely uh, in the foreseeable mid-term or maybe in the short term, uh, you think that probably it will go down a little bit? So yes. you think that actually going for a cyborg pack rate will be actually more favorable? Yes. Right. So um, what we see is that within the next six months, uh, what I think will be the rates will be on the downward trend mm. because uh, with this COVID-19 going on, a lot of business will be impacted. Then uh, more and more business will see the impact later on, probably not now, but in three to six months. Right. So we foresee that this cyber will be on the downward trend within the next six months. And to be frank, uh, over the last 10 years, uh, when we look at cyber, this period is um, on a... I would say the depreciation on the rates is very fast. Right. Cyborg is actually going down like maybe 0.1% every few days or every week. Right. So which we see based on the last few years, it has never gone down that fast. Mm. Okay. The fast, the, before this, uh, let's say we in 2010 to 2012, when we see the cyborg upward trend, right? It was gradually going up by like 0.01%. So right. that's one basis point. So, and it has not been increasing that fast. The fastest I saw before was like every month, it increased by 10 basis points with 0.1 over the like six months period. Mm. But now what we are seeing is on the downward trend on dropping is that every week uh, we are reducing 10 basis points, which is a lot. Right, Yeah. right. Yeah. So um, in your perspective, because mm. the cyborgs, Cyborg is going down, uh, which means that the cost of borrowing for um, having a mortgage loan would then uh, go down as well. Yes. Right? So what is your perspective like based on your experience in the in the mortgage uh, industry for the for the past years, right? What mm-hmm. is your perspective of um, the interest rate fluctuation um, vis-a-vis the property price in Singapore? Like, do you think that the interest rate is the is the only determinant, or actually there are so many different broad factors that affect that affect property prices and stuff like that. Because um, mm. I mean, for us, uh, we, we actually did an episode. If you have watched our Invest and Ask series, we talk about why Singapore is different now. Okay. And the fact that right now, in terms of our property price index, there's like seven or eight rounds of cooling measures priced into it. And yep. we're actually on a very stable market. Most of the buyers in the market now are, are upgrading from the HDBs or they're buying first time uh, into the private property market. Okay. And, in terms of the, the local demand uh, for private property, it is very strong still. That's right. Yeah, and I think also for the fact that in Singapore, it's an aspiration to own a, a yeah. private property, right? So, <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, we are on a very different kind of trajectory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's also a very interesting uh, report in 2018 by Morgan Stanley mm. where uh, it was uh, found that um, out of, I think out of four times of the five times or maybe three out of four times when 
the interest rate increased in Singapore, the okay. property price actually went up. That's right. right. There's only one time when the interest rate increased and the price came down. And I think that was, uh, I'm not sure what event was that, but most of the time, uh, which is about 75% when interest rate go up, actually the price in Singapore went up for the property market. So hmm. um, what is your perspective? Like, you know, what have you seen so far? Okay. So um, based on current situation, even though interest rate is going down, right. I don't foresee the price of property coming down. Right. Uh, reason being for a few reasons, because uh, the developer actually purchased the land for X amount of dollars and they have building costs, all this. So I foresee within the next six months, the prices from new launches right. would not be coming down because right. they, they have a certain uh, so-called break-even point the right. developer has to sell. So I only foresee that for new launch is on the upward trend. Mm. Even for resale, a very gradual, stable trend. Yes, right. yes. And for resale market, uh, what we see currently is more stable. And I think that uh, prices for resale will remain as what it is. Because today, for a very simple fact reason that if you can't get the price you want, you probably will hold on to the property. Right. Because the, the interest rates are low anyway. Yes. Right. You, you won't feel the pinch now because it's not like uh, one or two years ago whereby some of the rates are as high for fixed rates, over 2%. Right. So like some of my clients who've gotten uh, fixed rate in 2018, they are looking at about 2% plus region. Right. So, so are you saying that actually um, the interesting fact is that when interest rate reduces, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of existing property owners actually refinance their loan That's right. to the latest low interest rate. And that means that their cost of holding the property is actually lower. And, and I mean, in Singapore, the whole ownership rate is so high. Most yes. of them hold prior properties because they are staying there, their kids are That's starting right. around there and stuff like that. So yeah. uh, are you seeing an increased trend in refinancing, especially over the past few months? Uh, yes. Um, specifically, these two weeks, we can see the number of inquiries on refinancing has increased uh, quite more a fair than, bit. Yeah, right. more than 20 to 30% from what we see in the last two months. Right. And one of the main reasons is because Cyborg is coming down on mm. our trade. And most clients are more inclined with Cyborg now because... I would say maybe all in lowest now uh, based on three months cyber with a spread of 0.15 it's about 1.5. So that means um, what is the best package now today? I mean now now we're in March 2020. Yeah. So what is the best package today? As of today, I would say uh, based on cyber rate is 0.15% plus three months cyber for two years. So we are looking at first two years at 1.5%. Which bank is that? Uh, this is actually from Standard Charter Bank. And this is uh, for completed properties or, or BUC? Um, it's actually for both, but right. there is a minimum loan amount you need to achieve. I would Which say like? minimum 1 million to right. secure this rate. But uh, the rates actually change quite fast. Right. So today, we can say that Sanchat is the lowest. But maybe next week, some banks will over, overtake them and yes. stuff like that. Right? Uh, but what we see differently is from the last few days that the banks are actually increasing the spread. Right. So most of the foreign banks have actually increased the cyber interest rate right. instead of it used to be maybe 0 0.15, 0 0.2. They have increased to 0 0.3 to 0.4 okay. spread plus cyber. So that we that will add up to about, let's say 0 0.3. It will give us about 1.8%. Right, right. It's yeah. just that for at this current juncture, yeah. uh, stand chart is the lowest at about yes. 1.5. Right, that's very interesting. Okay, so um, we have also a lot of uh, uh, 
audience and our clients asking mm. us about mortgage insurance. Okay. Right? So, I uh, just want to talk a little bit about mortgage insurance first. Okay, so, um, usually how would you advise somebody that have just taken a loan? Okay. Right? How would you advise them on mortgage insurance? Like, you know, what are some of the key things that they need to look out for when choosing a package? Mm-hmm. Um, what are some uh, popular options usually that people will take in terms of mortgage insurance? Do, should they cover one person or should they cover two person and stuff mm. like that? So usually for mortgage insurance uh, is very recommended to purchase at current market because most of the properties we are looking at, the loan liability is about one mil plus. Right. So uh, let's say if you have something to assure you that to cover, the, the trend is usually the husband will actually purchase for the wife, the wife will purchase for the husband to insure each other. Right. So in, in case of any event of death, uh, the mortgage insurer actually pay out a lump sum to cover the mortgage loan. Right. Yes. Right. And um, I mean, it's, it's getting increasingly popular that last time a lot of people take the direct kind of mortgage insurance, but That's nowadays right. some uh, consumers actually prefer to take a term insurance That's right. to cover the loan amount, which mm. is actually work out. To, I mean, for mortgage insurance, it will be a decreasing kind of concept but term insurance will be probably a straight um, line straight line or maybe you can review it yearly and stuff like that so yes. uh, what is the key difference then? and which one do you recommend personally okay right. so I would say the key difference is that if you're buying an insurance today if it's on a depreciation term mm. uh, it's definitely cheaper in terms of price right but if you have to look get the asset value because today example if you're in your 20s 30s when you get a mortgage insurance it's going to be cheap right 10 years down the road, let's say if you're selling off the property and you are buying another property, right. you probably need to repurchase a mortgage insurance. By then... It'll be more expensive yes. because of the age, your health and stuff like Correct. that. Correct. Right. So uh, most, at most times, we actually advise clients to look into a term insurance as well. One of the key differences is that uh, term insurance is actually a straight line. So right. let's say at age 30 years old, you cover 1 million. Right. At 50 years old, it still covers you at 1 million. So there's no depreciation value on the term. Right. And another main difference is most of the mortgage insurance does not cover permanent disability. Okay. Whereby a uh, term insurance actually covers that, which uh is beneficial as well. Yes, that additional because, coverage. Yes, correct. Right. So what I'm what I think Kenneth is, is saying is that for mortgage insurance is packed to the property. Yes. Right. So for example, let's say you buy a property A today and then you stay for 10 years. Yeah. And 10 years later you sell off that property and you buy property B. You have yep. to retake the mortgage insurance and, That's and right. all the health declaration and everything will all kickstart. Yes. Uh, but compared to a term insurance you buy today, it can just last you all the way until maybe age 65 or something like that. Yes. In about- between, if you switch two, three properties, you don't have to redo it again. Correct. Right. Okay. So personally, I mean, we're, we're not going to quote you, but personally, <laughs> for your own property, you will prefer to take a term insur- insurance. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay, great. That uh, probably will, will help us understand a little bit better. Okay, so um, next question, uh, before we talk a little bit more about mortgage, we want to understand about um, like, usually what do you, uh, what does your, your firm do? I mean, so for, for Kenneth, he actually started this company about six or seven years ago. Yeah. So he was uh, a banker before and um, mainly um, doing uh, um in, in, the, in the banking industry for probably about five to six years before he, he came out to start off his own firm, right? Yeah. So does your firm only do uh, mortgage consulting? Is that your main niche? Yes. Right. So so that's your main focus. That's right. Yeah. And maybe can I can share a little bit like where where's your where's your office located? You know, how how do 
how do all this reach out to you? What is your website and stuff like okay. that? So basically our office is actually located at Lavenda. So it's just like two to three minutes away from the MRT. So it's convenient for clients if they require consultation on their mortgage loan. They like to find out more, they can always arrange an appointment with us to drop by our office to right. discuss more in depth. And for our website, it's actually www.keyquestmortgage.com.sg. So uh, you can give us a call or through our website or Facebook uh, to engage with us right. to find out more on how we can actually, we actually provide a one-to-one consultation with most kind or over-the-phone consultation as well. Right. So yeah. uh, Kenneth is actually the founder of KeyQuest Mortgage and he currently has a team of six uh, consultants that is running uh, the company with him. That's right. And it's a growing team as well, <laughs> right? So uh, his business is doing well. Uh, I think uh, for the fact that uh, Kenneth is very experienced because when it comes to comparison of uh, mortgage packages and then keeping up to date and giving opinions and stuff like that, I think Kenneth is very um, experienced in the field. He has also helped uh, a great deal of our clients with their mortgages as well. So... Um, Okay, next question that we have for you, I think uh, importantly we want to know uh, is that uh, how do a, a, a buyer that is planning to buy a property, I mean, so before they even uh, buy a property, how do somebody improve their TDSR, right? And um, what, is, what is probably like one to three things that a buyer would need to take note of so that when they're going to plunge in to put in the deposit, put in the option fee to buy the property, uh, uh, they don't get a shock that, you know, actually the TDSR are, are affected and mm. what are some of the good practices like doing an IPA and stuff like that? Okay, so definitely first thing is to do an IPA with the banks right. to know what's your loan eligibility amount. Okay, so do you do IPA for, for, for your clients? Like- yes. Uh, what we do, okay, so before even the client send us the documents, we actually do a verbal indicative. So what we do is over the phone, when the clients provide us like example, their monthly salary, annual salary, age and their commitment, we can do a ballpark uh, figures of how much they can loan. Right. Usually it's uh, as close as up to 90 percent with what the bank is going to come back with. Right. Uh, but, but that's not checking their credit rating report not yet. yet. Okay, right. Yeah. Okay. So this is the initial assessment to... Just a verbal one yes. over the phone. Right, okay. Then uh, after which when they have a bob-up figure, we will usually send them to the bank's form for them to fill up and to do a credit pool check. That is where the banks will actually do a detailed check whether you have any like liabilities in terms of car loan, credit cards. So a few things you might want to take note before even go to that stage is that your credit cards payment. Um, right. Actually, a lot of clients, what we see is that they are not aware that uh, they have like six or seven credit cards mm. because uh, most people will actively use one or two cards, but they have another five lying there which they don't use. Right. And they, they might also have the issues of uh, the bank sending them that, oh, every year, your membership fee or this. Annual fee. Yeah, then you have to call in the banks waive. So actually, uh, when you call into banks to waive for this annual fee, as well as the late interest, all this actually affect your credit scoring. Right. So what we advise clients, actually when the banks are calling you for the annual fee, just make a payment to them first. They don't just swipe on the card so that you don't have an issue on your credit bro status having a B which is a late payment or no payment right. on the credit cards. Right. So these are small, small things that uh, what we see is that uh, when most customers receive and they don't actively use the card, they will just call in the bank wave. Mm. Then after that, wait for the banks reimburse back the 
the fees or waive all the fees. But this small issue of uh, affect your credit credit rating score. Yes. So what you're saying is that when you uh, receive the bill for yeah. annual fee, uh, is to make the payment first. Yes. Don't allow it to drop into a late charge. Yes. The moment it, it reflects as late charge, you drop your credit rating score. That's right. Right. So you, so you advise to pay first and then after that, you can take your time to call in and, and ask for a waiver and stuff like that. Yes. Right. Then okay. you basically, the banks usually will reimburse on the next month statement. Mm. So you, you have the additional cash, just swipe the card. So right. that it actually make the whole process a lot easier because once you have a so-called a B on your credit roll, we need, the banks will want to find out why is it so then you need it's to going provide. to delay your applications. Yes, and most customers doesn't keep their credit card statement every month. Right. So what will happen is you need to call in the banks, ask for a statement, and all this takes time. Right. Yeah. So um, just now what Kenneth mentioned is that before uh, you even commit to a property, before you even put in the option fee, put in the, the down payment and stuff like that, it's very important to do an in-principle approval check, which yes. is what we usually... Uh, and always ask our clients to do. And mm. uh, IPA for your information is free of charge. Right? Yes. It's a free service provided by KeyQuest as well as a free service provided by the banks. And uh, because now all banks, they have to um, reflect the records with Credit Bureau, with MAS. Actually, once you do it with one bank, most of the time is that uh, the few other local banks as well, they will likely approve your application. But of course, That's right. Uh, that it also subjects to your previous history with that particular bank as well. Yes. Right. So uh, I think it's very important to do the the free uh, assessment. We call it the IPA in principle approval. approval right. So usually uh, bankers or even KeyQuest they will give you uh, probably like um, nowadays is I mean it's, it's using technology either mm. email or text message and stuff yes. to say that okay your IPA is this amount subject to. The point of application when you everything buy, right? remains same. You're right. So yeah. because if let's say you did an IPA, um, you get probably a, a reply saying that your max loan is at one point five million. Mm-hmm. But let's say um, in the next one month before you even buy the property, you you went ahead to buy a new car. Right? Yes, and that's going to affect your your rating and your your TDSR again. That's right. That will eat into your TDSR scoring, right? So um, what Kenneth has mentioned is that some of the tips is really to uh, take good care of your credit card usage, yes. how many cards you own, annual fee. And uh, is there any other things regarding TDSR scoring? Um, usually, if you are in the process of getting a property within the next two, three months, right. we advise you not to have a very big spending on your credit cards because right. uh, although you make full payment every month, mm. um, but the banks still look at what is the minimum payment from your overall exposure from all the banks. Right. So let's say if you are uh, spending on big ticket items, 10, 20 Ks, uh, it actually affects your minimum commitment payments to the banks right. and that will actually take it into your TDSR. Okay, so they, they look at your, your latest spending habits. Yes. Right, and uh, that, is, that is for them to assess the risk level of loading right. you. Right. So uh, we also have a very popular question uh, usually. Okay. Um, somebody would like to ask, you know, like if let's say I, I'm looking to buy a property in the next uh, two months. Okay. But I'm in the middle of a job change. Okay. All right. And um, just so happens that before I buy the property, likelihood... I will be starting my new job. Okay. And then uh, that also means that I would not have that couple of months of pay slip to prove my income. Probably okay. I will have my employment contract. Yes. Yeah. So 
um, usually in this uh, situation, what would be your advice? Like, you know, can can this consumer still get their loan approved? Uh, or they, do they minimally need a three-month kind of pay slip kind of stuff? Okay. Right. Um, if it's in the transition of different jobs, usually we still can base on the employment contract right. to grant a loan to client. Right. So let's say if you know that um, you are going to buy a property within the next two, three months mm. and you are also looking to change a job. So first thing is to make sure that your employment contract actually sticks all the necessary details like how much is your monthly salary or monthly reimbursements, right. what's your annual reimbursement. So And furnish that to the banks first. Right. Um, then we can actually get an IP based on the employment contract. Right. But it depends on banks to banks per se as well. Certain mm. banks we can just take in an employment contract. Certain banks, they will need an employment contract and you have already started working with that particular company. Right. And you, uh, at times they might ask for some documents proof. Do you have a name card, staff pass right, right. or email address which you can send to us to verify that you have already started working. Right. And... Then that's where the banks can take in the income as well. Right. So the banks will also assess like which company you're working for. Yes. Uh, whether is it um um I think probably they they want to assess the, the amount of risk level in the sense, right? Yeah. So but based on experience, it is doable. Yes, it's doable. Right. Um will there be banks that are very, very stringent with this or what is the percentage and likelihood of getting an approval if somebody is, is in the midst of a job change or most of the time is approved as long as there is like a legitimate um, employment, employment and, and they're working for a, a company and stuff like that. So yeah. usually it's okay? Yeah, mm. I would say the banks will favor more in terms of MMC company. Right, the big, so, big firms. Yeah, right. so if you are in an MMC company, usually the banks will be able to recognize. Right. And if you are in the SME level, uh, they will probably one at least a month pays the month salary crediting before they, they actually grant the loan. So right. it, it really depends on which company you are going with. So also. the size of the company matters. That's okay. So just now you mentioned salary crediting. Salary yeah. crediting uh, is a term used by banks to, to yes. see that the salary actually is reflected in your bank account. That's right. Right, so uh, I think probably they want to see like a stability in terms of that salary credit plus CPF and stuff like that. Yes. Right, how about for self-employed people? Mm-hmm. Like, um, we also have very popular questions like this. Like for example, somebody is coming out to start their own company Okay. Uh, as a sole proprietor, mm-hmm. all right, and um, they were from a fixed pay job, but they are in the midst of buying a property. Okay. They are switching now to start their own business, probably okay. as a freelancer or starting a small firm. And uh, very likely, they will not uh, be able to furnish an IRAS uh, notice of assessment for the whole year because yeah. they're going to start their own company. So usually, what is the minimum uh, so-called like period for, for somebody like this in this situation to, to be able to get a loan? Or what do you advise? Okay. So for a self-employment, it's slightly more tricky, I would say. Because if, let's say, uh, uh, example, in this start of the year, I set up a new company right. and I'm on self-employed. So I'm basically uh, without a fixed income right. from January to now. Right. Uh, I would say most banks will not be able to grant a loan. Okay. So what do they minimally want to see? Uh, minimum months, what they want is at least a 12 months record. That means your company must be registered before January 2019. Right. Okay. So let's say the minimum they need to look at is one year of track record. That means the company was set up in January 2019, 
to December, you have one full year. Right. Uh, they will be able to take in based on your upcoming declaration on income tax. Personal income tax. Yes. Right. So they minimally want to see at least a one year notice of assessment and yes. as a sole proprietor. And take note for self-employed people. I mean, even for uh, real estate professionals uh, like ourselves, there is a haircut. Yes. There's a haircut right. of 30%. Right. So for example, if you earn... Um, $100, they only determine that you earn $70 because there's yes. a 30% haircut based on risk as a self-employed. Yes. Right? So the TDSR is, is slightly lower in a sense, right? That's right. So um, there are so-called, of, of course, there's more tricky questions like for example, uh, if let's say a self-employed person coming out, um, but let's say they set up a small SME Okay. And uh, probably they are the direct main director. They have two staff. Okay. And they just started this firm probably in January and now it's March, right? Okay. And the director actually pays uh, himself or herself a salary uh, with CPF, right? Mm-hmm. So will this uh, pay slip uh, so-called also be subjected to a haircut because the director owns the own, their, their own company in a sense? Okay. So if the company is only set up in January, uh, when the banks do a more detailed check, they will be able to see when your firm started. Who is the boss? Who is yes, the who's the director? Who's the shareholder? Right. So, uh, certain banks will actually still take a 30% haircut even right. you have a fixed salary right. of, example, paying uh, 6000 every month, you have CPA contribution. Right. They will still take a 30% haircut. Whereas some of the banks, they were actually still based on the overall 100% income. So just now as we were talking, the salary crediting, mm. um, this is something small, but most of the banks take into consideration that how you pay yourself on the salary. Is it voucher check or is it cash or is it uh, gyro salary crediting? Right. So the bank is more in favor if you are putting in, in a gyro salary from your corporate account rather than you issue a check to yourself, crediting or cash, definitely the banks won't be able to recognize. So these are small things you, you probably want to think of if you are self-employed and right. gyro salary crediting is acceptable for most banks but for checks, it's slightly more tricky because I, let me give you an example. So today, let's say if I'm self-employed, right. so uh, I can be issuing a check to myself right? because you on your bank statement, you couldn't see where does the check come from? It can be from a personal check crediting in or it can be from a company. It's very hard to determine that. Right, but if it's from your uh, company account, yes. a corporate account going into it, um, it is like a more legitimate kind That's of right. arrangement. It's just like how a proper company functions. Yes. Right, so I understand what you mean. Okay, so um, I think importantly for self-employed people is that if you are uh, in this transition, starting on your own company, uh, it's very important to plan in advance uh, on when uh, you want to buy the property, uh, being able to, to foresee what uh, requirements you need in order to take out a mortgage loan. And stuff right. like. uh, of course, you can always give Kenneth a call to understand a little bit more about these requirements. So Kenneth, want to understand a little bit about, you know, as, a, as the boss of your firm, right, okay. as the director, founder yeah. of your firm, right? Usually, uh, I mean, like last time when you started this business six to seven years back, mm. right? What, um, what, what made you wanted to to start this business? I mean, you you were you were working the bank, having a very stable income, right? So why do you want to come out to be a, like a mortgage um, consultant? Okay, right. So back then when I was in the banks, I actually does both uh, residential as commercial property, right? But toward a certain phase, uh the banks actually changed direction. Right. They are no longer keen in uh, putting mortgage as their priority. Right. And therefore, um, 
the rates they actually offer to consumer is less competitive. Right. It, so for some of my clients who are um, with the banks, when they want to go back to the banks and change of interest rate package, uh, it becomes about a lot higher compared to the rest of banks and it's no longer competitive. And most of the bank has to choose to refinance out to other banks. So at a phase I was going, I was saying, oh, all my existing clients like exiting the bank. Because You're losing your clients. Yes. Yeah, so because of the, because you only have one product. Yes. Right, right. Yeah. So, so you wanted to have, to represent a wide range of products. Correct. Because right. at a certain time of phase that um, the clients has to look for other options with other banks and uh, what I can see is more, more and more of my clients are exiting the banks and um, I couldn't cater a solution to them. So right. that's what makes me want to step out from banks and continue to service them. Because some of the clients has, I've been working with them like four or five years, we actually established quite a good uh, working relationship. Right. So come to a certain extent that if I still want to be continue to be able to support or work with my existing customer, one option is to actually step out of the banks. To be independent. Yes. And I'm no longer tied to one bank. I no longer only can sell this particular bank. So you can sell like 16 to 18 different yes. banks products. Okay. So uh, a very important question I think everybody want to ask is that how do you earn uh, <laughs> your income? I mean like as, let's say I'm a buyer. Uh -huh. I, I just bought a resale property. Um, I can just walk straight into the bank and say that, hey, I want to take a mortgage. I can go to their website, take a look at their latest bank rates and stuff like that and do my own comparison. So if I were to come to you, do I need to pay a fee? Um, will my rates be different? I think that's number one. Number one is that, do I need to pay you a fee for consultation? Number two, if I were to take a, a loan direct, mortgage loan directly from the bank at a branch compared to coming to you, mm -hmm. would there be a difference in my rates or okay. will it be the same? And uh, what are the advantages of coming to you? Okay. Right. First of all, I think... Uh, which is very relevant because sometimes when the client engages us, the first question they will ask, so can I, do I need to pay you a fee to engage our service? Right. The answer is no. Right. So that means when you engage us as your mortgage broker, uh, you do not need to pay us any single cents right. for our service. Right. So that's why more and more clients are more open up to talk to us right. to help them to facilitate. On the second note, uh, which is also very common, our client will ask, oh, so now I'm going through a broker. So the bank is paying you a certain fees. Right. So am I going to be paying a high interest rate because of engaging you? The answer is also no. Right. Because uh, nowadays, the banks are more favorable to work with brokers because they actually want us to refer business to them. So right. they actually give us a better interest rate compared to their shelf rates when you walk into a bank saying that, oh, maybe bank A is giving you 1.9 shelf rate. But when you come to us, maybe we can get you, example, 1.88 or 1.87, which is lower than what you go to the banks. A very simple why we can get a better rate is that we give bulk volume of businesses to the banks. Right. And they will want to um, give us a more preference rate so that we can give them more businesses as well. Right. So uh, what you're saying is that if I were to come to you, uh, firstly, I don't have to pay a fee. That's right. But your value to the consumer is that you can help them to compare all the banks and yeah. then to, to come up with uh, two to three banks that uh, is in terms of the best rates for this current month. That's right. Secondly is that you earn your, your income actually from a referred basis because the banks pay out uh, a refer, referral fee to you yeah. and your firm. And uh, that actually does not impact the rates because... There is, yes. that is based on your relationship working with the bank. 
That's right. Right. And sometimes because of the bulk of volume that you have, your years of relationship with them, they're able to give your clients a slightly better rate compared to them walking to the bank. That's right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Great. So um, I think that's that's two very important questions <laughs> because a lot of people are wondering, hey, you know, how do you earn your income? Yes. You know, how do you survive as a business and stuff? Do I have to pay you more? So I think uh, if that is answered, that's great. And um, I think importantly also is that uh, Kenneth mentioned that he wanted to add value uh, by being able to represent a whole range of different loans, right? So uh, maybe Kenneth, can, can you share like um, usually... Uh, coming back to the question just now. Okay. Um, how long again, like, let's say I come to you Monday. Mm-hmm. Usually, by which day will you be able to get back to me? Okay. Um, let's say if we have a conversation over the phone now. Yeah, let's say my IPA is approved already yeah. by you previously. All right, okay. you, you help me to check with your bank. Mm-hmm. And then I say, hey, I call you on Monday. I say, hey, can I just put down an option fee? I've got okay. the OTP already. Okay. Uh, can you help me to select? and do some studies on, on the loans, right? So usually by how many working days do you do your guys need? Okay, so once usually once the client has a OTP, we will actually apply maybe two to three banks concurrently right. to let them get back to a formal letter offer. So I would say maybe turn around time, maybe three to four working days. Once we have the letter offer from the different banks, that's where we will talk to the clients or sit down with the clients, um, run through with them, okay, for particular bank A, what the clause they have and what's the interest rate. Bank B, what's the difference? Bank C, what's the difference? Then they make a decision which bank they prefer and they accept the loans from there on. So what you're saying is that if I were to come to you, you will actually send in formal application on my behalf yes. to two to three banks. That's right. Make sure that they approve the loan yep. uh, based on the letter offer. But before I sign, uh, then we'll do a comparison and then decide on one. Yes. Right. Okay. Understand. So that will take probably about four working days. There about. Okay. Great. Yeah. So the usual um, OTP period when you go ahead to buy a resale property is uh, in the market is 14 days. Um, of course, the option period is uh, subject to negotiation between yourself as a buyer and of course as, uh, and, and towards the seller as well. As long as both parties are happy with the option period, that can be negotiated. But the market practice is about 14 days. Yeah. And um, on the key quest end, they will need probably about four working days to come up with the letter or offer. And that will give you sufficient time then to meet up with them, sign, and then after that, hit to your law firm to exercise the option. Right. That's so right. Uh, the 14 days will take care of that. Okay. So the next question that we have for you is that um, maybe a, a little bit, a final question about, about loan for buyers is that um, in today's market, let's say if I want to refinance, okay, on the refinance, um, what will be some of the, the key things I need to take note of? Is there any blind spots or is there any setback of refinancing? What are the costs of refinancing and switching banks uh, compared to you know some um, some some terms in the market? It's like you can actually reprice it with your same bank. Yes, right? you can. Uh, compared to refinancing, because you have to then pay a legal fee again. Yeah, so what are some of the plus and minuses for repricing with the same bank and refinancing with another bank? Okay, so for refinancing, usually uh, you need to engage a lawyer later on after once you accept the letter offer. And how much is the legal fee? Uh, it range depending on the lawyers you are engaging. I would right. say maybe about 1,008 to 2,002. Right. Okay, and that will also be a valuation fee when you do a refinancing. About $500. There, but also depending on the the size of the property, size of property right. and the price of the property as well determine the valuation. Right. So, so it will be ranging between probably about two thousand three to three thousand dollars in total. 
Yes. Right. And, and that can can it be paid out by CPF? Okay, for legal fee part, it can be paid uh, using your CPF, but right. for valuation fee, it will be vowel cash. Right. But the good thing is, uh, most of the time, when you do a refinancing, the new banks actually provide some rebates right. or legal fee subsidies, which you can use part of this money to offset your legal as well as part of your valuation fee cost as well. Right. So if you switch with that bank, they usually want to attract you to, to yes. switch with their banks. Okay, right. Mm. So... Um, what what other things like you know when it comes to refinancing other than the legal fees and the valuation fee? What other things do we need to take note of? Okay, so just now you were saying, um, would it be better if we approach the existing bank or to do, do refinancing? It all depends on what the rates the existing bank is mm. uh, providing. Right. Then usually we'll do a calculation. So let's say your existing bank A is giving you uh, X amount of interest rate comparing to bank B, okay, which is giving you maybe slightly lesser. Right. So we'll do a calculation by you doing refinancing, how much will you save? Most of the time, I'll say that when you do a refinancing, depending on your loan amount, so let's say about a 1 million loan, when you do a refinancing, a point, 1.2 actually makes quite a fair bit of difference over the next two years. Right. So your saving may be in the range of $1,000 to $10,000 right. in terms of interest. So even if there's no... Uh, perps from the next bank which is giving you a lower interest rate as well as on the legal subsidy or as well as the valuation subsidy, it still probably makes sense to do a refinancing right. because uh, refinancing is commonly overlooked by most customers as well mm. and because they only focus at the point of time when they purchase and most two, two years down the road, most of the client after they purchase property, they, they have forgotten that the lock-in is only two years on the third year, the rates are higher mm. and a lot of clients are actually paying higher interest rate. Right. So some of the value services we provide to our clients is that when you engage us when you're purchasing your property, so coming nearing to your two years mark, maybe four or five months before you are locking, we will actually give you a service call again to remind you that uh, uh, that your loan is going to out lock-in in the four or five months and we can relook back on your interest rate package with your existing bank and the rest of banks. Right, right. So yeah. uh, what you're saying is that uh, whether the de decision is to reprice with your same bank mm -hmm. or actually to refinance with another bank will then depend on the interest rate at that point in time. Sometimes yes. it might make sense to reprice as well provided yes. the rates are really more preferential. That's so right. for repricing with the same bank, is there a service fee that the bank will charge? Okay, usually most banks are charging within a range of $500 to $1,000 okay. for the repricing fee. Right, right. Yeah. So then uh, that's $500 to $1,000 compared to refinance, then that will be about probably about uh, $2,000 over dollars to $3,000. Yeah. But it would then depend on what would be the savings That's right. in terms of the 0.1.23% kind of rate. Yes. Right, great. So, um, okay. So maybe one final question. One final question is that what, um, I mean, as, as the, the director of KeyQuest, mm -hmm. what is what is your, your plan for 2020? Are you like, um, um, what, are, what are you guys planning for in terms of, uh, for your company level hmm. uh, or are there any new uh, kind of services that you are planning uh, to to embark on and stuff like that for, for the year ahead? Uh, for this year, I would say um, it will be an even more interesting year for us because we foresee that uh, there is more and more clients right. uh, who will actually require a mortgage broker to advise them on interest rate. So we are stepping up the ball games to go uh, more details to really work with the clients in terms of calculation and letting them know, okay, if you are 
so-called buying or refinancing, what are your options available? And we will also come with new initiative that uh, maybe within the next few months, uh, we hopefully we can work out a video right. uh, to educate clients. like A video uh, series. Yeah, right. I wouldn't say a video series. <laughs> right. uh, probably a something simple videos to, to share educational with clients. Educational videos. Educational videos right. to talk more about cyber, fakes, uh, which you go for. And depending on your risk appetite, right. if you do not want any uh, to have any unforeseen jumps on interest rate, you can go for fakes. But if you are slightly more risk taker, that you think that cyborg, uh, based on what we see, is going down. But uh, it, there's also a possibility that uh, when cyborg goes down that fast, right? Uh, there is also a chance that later on, right, cyborg might be also on an upward trend. So we would probably do a bit more on the video content to share with consumer what should you be doing if you have an existing mortgage right. or you are going to get a mortgage loan what are the pick for like what we have discussed just now right. uh, to add in more a bit more technical information for customers as well and if they are looking to purchase uh, and they probably have maxed out their names like husband and wife and they still want to purchase can they buy under trust or if they are kids above 21, how right. can we structure a mortgage loan for them as well? Right, right, yeah. right. I think that that'll be very interesting content. Yeah. And we'll, we'll look forward to that content. Been, um, roughly, when will all this be out? Like in the next couple of months? Uh, we foresee probably we will launch towards end of Q2 to right. do some education video. And uh, we oh, we are also hopefully to have some consumer seminar this year Right. Uh, towards maybe... Q3 of the year right. uh, to educate customers who are buying properties, what things you need to look out for, not just on TDSR, if you are getting more than one properties or buying for investment, what are things on the mortgage side you need to be prepared, better prepared, so that when you go into the markets uh, to purchase property, uh, you are ready to give down the checks, you are ready to negotiate for a better offer. Right, right, yeah. right. Okay, great. Yeah, I think we really have a lot of meat in today's uh, <laughs> session. I mean, we have probably asked about five to six very important key questions. And uh, we hope that this session has been very beneficial for you uh, to understand about what are some of the, the blind spots that uh, likely you will face when it comes to buying a property, uh, taking on a mortgage loan in Singapore and uh, what are key differences in terms of um, like the BUC rates, uh, completed properties and stuff like that. And we... Uh, very happy. I mean that uh, Kenneth can um, you know come down today to our podcast studio and then to spend a precious time with us. And okay. uh, I think I think these these are great information. And uh, so thank you very much, Kenneth. Do you have any final things that you want to share with our audience? Uh, so if you are preparing to buy a property this year, I think is a very good year. Mm. Uh, we will be more than happy to talk to you or to advise you on what's the current trend on the interest rate and what are the things you need to be more prepared so that you can get a better interest rate or a higher loan amount right. uh, uh, on your upcoming purchase. Right, yeah. right. All right, great. Okay, okay so uh, I, think, I think that's great. Uh, so thank you again, Kenneth. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Melvin, yeah, for Thanks inviting. for coming down to our studio and uh, we hope that this episode will benefit um, our audience and our clients and uh, we will stay tuned for the next couple of episodes because we are going to get, um, of course, a lot of different uh, people that's uh, related to the real estate market uh, mm. will be um, talking to builders, talking to architects, uh, mm. as well as renovation um, um, experts uh, in terms of what ideas they have when it comes to 
designing challenging layouts for for homes and stuff like that. So uh, stay tuned on our uh, show, uh, which is so far so good. And uh, thank you for staying with us on the Property Brothers Podcast Studio. And we hope to see you on the next one. All right. 